1: Hey, hey, really the only thing that gon' be normal is distribution Normal folks gon' infuse some, optimize your lineups Send your feed, the rest you mute them Turning it up, these numbers are loud Peeping this game from Nimbus is wild Making it, making it rain, while I embrace all this risk I'm insane Talking about that, best deal, I'm the best, best, best deal Into the next world, guess I got next still Best bell, I'm the best, best, rest till into the next world. Guess I got next
0: still. And welcome to the Best Bell Fantasy Football YouTube podcast and live stream. Presented by Player Profiler on the Roto Underworld YouTube channel. I'm Bradley Stalder, and tonight we're going to be talking about Reaching. No, not Peaches, Reaches. That's right. I don't know if you've seen the latest Mario movie, but it was a hit, a bop, a Jack Black instant classic, Peaches. But no. But no, we're going to talk about reaches tonight and why you shouldn't be reaching in your best ball drafts. We're going to dive into some data from Hayden Winks of Underdog Fantasy and give some strong reasons why you should consider taking your guy at ADP. So that's going to be the lesson we're going to talk about tonight. We're also going to examine the top risers and fallers since May 16th of 2023. So since last week, and we're going to talk about the biggest fallers as well. There's going to be a few repeat players because their tumbles or their rises have continued over the last few weeks. So we'll talk about why that has continued. And then the last part of tonight's live stream, I'm going to analyze some of your best ball teams. I've got four in the loop queued up today. If you want your best ball team analyzed, if you think, Hmm, I want to know how I'm doing Bradley. Then hit me up on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at FF Staller. you can go to bestbellfantasy.com as well. Get some awesome stuff there. But what I want to say tonight, I've got some jam packed, awesome content for y'all in the best ball streets so that you can draft to win money, be smart, you'll thank me here in about nine months, eight, nine months, about the time it takes to have a child, you'll be building your best ball portfolio using some of these takeaways and these best practices. If you missed the last couple of weeks, I encourage you, check out the Best Bell Fantasy podcast on that YouTube channel, but also the last two lessons that I've done. The first was, of course, about how running backs lose value the further you are away from the start of the season. And the second was an examination of the Best Ball Mania 4 payout structure and why Week 17 is even more important this year in 2023 than it was Last year in 2022 for the best ball mania three, that best ball mania four is even top heavier and you need to be playing for week 16 and 17 given the expected values. But tonight, as I said before, we're going to talk about why you should not be reaching on players very significantly. There are going to be some exceptions. We'll go through it, but very rarely should you be reaching for players in your best ball drafts. Let the hooligans who are toilet drafting, do that for you. Let them give you the expected value. Let them pay, pay into the draft and the team and the league that you're, you're facing. So without further ado, before we get in, I want to give you a little bit of a promo from our guy here at Player Profiler, Matt Kelly, about underdog fantasy.
1: Let's take a moment to talk about Underdog Fantasy. Now, many of you have already signed up. Thousands have signed up from Player Profiler already over the years. Underdog has supported us since 2020. Much of what you're on Player Profiler is because of Underdog, because of their support. Get the Underdog app. Plug in that promo code UNDERWORLD. I used to play Underdog just for the best ball drafts. Best ball drafts are amazing. These draft rooms fill so quickly. And you can win life-changing money. You want to take advantage of all the sleepers we talk about on this show? What better place than in an Underdog draft room to do that? And I recommend taking your underdog play to the next level by diving into their NFL pick'ems. It's important to correlate those NFL pick'ems. You can pick both the quarterbacks and the wide receivers to exceed expectations, correlate them, and you can 5X your payout. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Underdog Fantasy, the promo code is UNDERWORLD. For an instant deposit match up to $100, underdog is the truest friend of the underworld. That's right. Use promo code
0: underworld when you are drafting on underdog fantasy. Let's get into tonight's top risers since May 16th, the last time we were together. So, the first largest riser and this is relative to ADP some people have been asking me Bradley isn't this just the most spots risen no because I think it's important for us to take a look at each player and how they are changing relative to how they were previously Alexander Madison is still on this top risers list since last week he was on this list before and it's no surprise the rumors have continued that Dalvin Cook will no longer be a Minnesota Viking. They haven't come to fruition yet. But Alexander Madison has creeped up eight spots in the past week. And we expect some change to happen. These The drumbeat has gotten louder and louder for Dalvin Cook to depart. Once he does, I expect Madison to be somewhere between pick 48 and pick 60, if not higher. Fifth round or above. Right now he's at pick 83. Okay, getting into the eighth, ninth round. And I'm continuing to buy at this level. Pick 91 to 83. Absolutely. And and I've seen him go in the 70s in some of the drafts I'm in. That rise will continue until we get clarity on the Dalvin Cook situation, whether Dalvin Cook renegotiates his contract and takes less money for the Vikings, or he has moved on from. And Alexander Madison, who signed an extension or re-signed, I guess. He, his contract was renewed for this year. The next two years, he's got guaranteed money. Is behind Alexander Madison. I talked about this last week. It's Ty Chandler and Dwayne McBride. Dwayne McBride, my boy. But Alexander Madison is expected to be the lead back for Minnesota. But I'm sprinkling in Ty Chandler. I'm sprinkling in Dwayne McBride everywhere I can, round 18, round 19, round 20, round 17. Um, I'm draft in dynasty that some of the two most rostered running backs I have are McBride and Chandler. We know that this is going to be a valuable starting role. We've seen that in the past. And even though maybe the Minnesota Vikings are not going to be as run heavy as they were in previous years under coach Zimmer, the reality is, is it's still going to be a valuable spot. I love Alexander Madison's value right now. And I think he has the the money, the capital that the team is invested in to be the number one. But as GDLT says, I think McBride will take over. Dude is a dog. I agree. If you've been following me for any part of the offseason, you'll know that my boy is Dwayne McBride. Dude was number one in yards after contact per attempt. That was ahead of Bijan Robinson this year. And look, he was one of the top graded rushers in PFF rushing grade. The only there were there were two flaws in his game. There are two main flaws in Dwayne McBride's game. One is that he wasn't used much of the passing game. And two is that he fumbled a lot in college. So those are those are two pl- the two flags that led to McBride being drafted in the seventh round, but he could have a very interesting role on this Minnesota Vikings team, especially if Alexander Madison is not a very efficient back. So I wouldn't be afraid to sprinkle in some McBride and some Ty Chandler as well, even though I prefer McBride over Chandler. It's pick your poison at that point. Although Chandler is 25, he wasn't taken by this regime. And Ty Chandler ultimately hasn't done much in his time with Minnesota over the last couple of years. So I'm not in on Ty Chandler as much as Dwayne McBride, but I think you should still sprinkle in Chandler. All right. Is seventh round Madison too high? Jose is asking. And I think seventh round is just fine for right now. I wouldn't go higher than that until we get confirmation that Dalvin Cook is gone, though. At this point, sixth round is too high. So seventh round, I think, is is probably as high as I'm willing to go on Alexander Madison. Let's shift gears to Antonio Gibson. Gibson has jumped up from pick 130 to pick 122. And if you were drafting earlier in the offseason, you would know that Antonio Gibson was being drafted in the 140s. JD McKissick is now cut from the Washington Commanders. The only other running back that was brought in was Chris Rodriguez, a sixth round running back out of Kentucky. So Antonio Gibson, who is expected to take on the pass catching role in Washington, a very, very valuable one because Brian Robinson doesn't catch passes. Antonio Gibson is skyrocketing because he's got a role. He was a wide receiver in college at Memphis and that jump, is just increased confidence in his role in the Washington offense. We saw Curtis Samuel get involved with some rushes and short yardage, short yardage passes. But I think Antonio Gibson, who was dealing with some injuries last year, will probably get on the right track. I am in on Antonio Gibson rising here. And, and I was drafting him. He was one of my most drafted running backs in the pre-draft process. My, I think my ADP average on drafters was 136. I was willing to reach a little bit on Antonio Gibson, and that was a beautiful thing. And so I think Gibson is still going to be a great value. He's put He puts up pretty regular running back two numbers. So if you're taking best ball and you're thinking zero RB strategy, Antonio Gibson is definitely a consideration, even this late, even in now the 11th round. So I, I'm in on the Antonio Gibson rise. This is a, this is good. Chris Rodriguez, as I mentioned before, yes, a sneaky late flyer because Robinson and Gibson have injury histories. Chris Rodriguez himself dealt with a suspension last year. There's some off the field issues, but he's, he played well. He was well graded in Kentucky, the rushing. It wasn't used much as a pass catcher a little bit near the end but Chris Rodriguez is someone that I'm taking late flyers on someone that you know Washington will probably rotate through if Gibson gets hurt or someone or Brian Robinson gets hurt Chris Rodriguez was brought in by this regime and and I could see him being a change of pace guy if one of these guys one of these running backs Gibson or Robinson goes down now the last player that's on the rise since last Tuesday was Joe Mixon. He's only risen four spots, but relative to his ADP, that's the third most percentage wise of any player. And let's, let's be confident in Joe Mixon. Like this is Josh Jacobs light from last year. Josh Jacobs was falling to the seventh round, the eighth round. I remember last year I was at the Fantasy football expo and I was drafting against Justin Herzig, against James Brimacombe, against Kruger from NBC Sports at the time. And they're all great drafters. But even them at that point were passing on Josh Jacobs. There was a fear, fear that he would be replaced. But I think that fear for Joe Mixon this year here in 2023 is being alleviated by the Cincinnati Bengals not cutting him, by the Cincinnati Bengals not bringing anyone else of significance in, it's Joe Mixon's show, and now he's getting into the back end of the fifth round instead of the sixth round when he was going. Heck, I'd even see him seventh round in some of the drafts I was in. So Joe Mixon,
1: I'll
0: expect to continue to rise as well. He wasn't super efficient last year, but he did have a couple big spike weeks, including the five touchdown game that got. A lot won a lot of people money. So Joe Mixon, I expect him to continue to jump up from 63 to 59. And heck, I I could even see him if we're staying status quo the rest of the offseason. I could see him getting into the late third round in some running back thirsty rooms come August. Let's switch gears here to the top, the farthest fallers. Since last Tuesday. And if you were following me on Twitter. At FF Stalder. Which you should. I posed a trivia question. And I asked my audience. There's only been one player. Each of the last two weeks. Who has dropped 7% or more. Each of those weeks. Who is it? I put a little Pokemon GIF and, and in fact, it got so popular that someone invited me to a fantasy football Pokemon crossover league, fantasy league, which is like crazy. So shout out to Jared Zemke for giving me the invite. I politely declined, but shout out to him because I think that's a really interesting concept to, to make that crossover. Nevertheless, the answer to that question is Josh Allen. Josh Allen has dropped 7% or more each of the last two weeks. I think there's a couple things happening here. One is residual effect from the draft. If the Buffalo Bills would have drafted a wide receiver in the first round, I think he would have stayed closer to status quo. Number one, I know they drafted Dalton Kincaid in the first round but Kincaid did not test at the Combine. There are still some questions about his progress development. We know that rookie tight ends tend to not hit very well, but <coughs> Dalton Kincaid is being drafted as the tight end 11 right now on underdog fantasy, which I ran the regression and tie it that where he's going right now as tight end 11 should be like 3% of a contributor toward your best ball team, which is one of the top. So there's high, high, high expectations for Dalton Kincaid as a tight end, but I don't think he's uplifting Josh Allen. It's in fact, because he is being uplifted himself by Josh Allen. So it's not the other way around, which is why Allen is falling. Number one, number two is that there is increased certainty surrounding other players in the second round. So for instance, Tony Pollard has been jumping up. Brees Hall has been jumping up. There are other players that we're getting more news or confirmation about that. We have more clarity. If you remember from episode one here on the player profiler, YouTube channel, a couple weeks ago, if you missed out, tune into it. I talked about running backs, but I also talked about running backs relative to other positions and why quarterbacks were the safest or one of the safest plays. And we didn't see a lot of movement very early on from these elite tier quarterbacks because we know their perceived value. I talked about this with Theo Gremminger, how we were we are able to tell who are the top 10 quarterbacks. Who are the top 12 quarterbacks? And once we get outside the top eight, top 10, like there's disagreement. But if you were to say Bradley ranked the top 12 quarterbacks, I'd probably get 10. I'd probably get, probably get 10. So for Josh Allen, I think it's partly that Dalton Kincaid was not the ascending player that we hoped the Buffalo bills would draft. I mock drafted, Quentin Johnston to them. That didn't work out. So first, Dalton Kincaid. Second is increased confidence in other players. And third is due to closing line value. Uh, ultimately, we have to think, okay, as we get more certain about these players, there's going to be a finish line. There's going to be a place where the these players end up landing. And because more casual drafters enter the draft. Yes, some of them are quarterback hungry, but the average fantasy football player is going to look and say, oh, I'd prefer to have, you. Who, who's going around pick 21, Brees Hall, right? Give me Brees Hall, even though he's not fully recovered yet from the ACL. Give me that. And I could see why more drafters as they're entering these tournaments may be looking for this may be still the influence of J.J. Zacharyson's late-round quarterback theory. Just, just dropping them down. Even though Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts all gave top-tier performances last year. There's a big three. I think that there's going to continue to get, get some ADT, ADP dip from these three quarterbacks. Hopefully they fall into the third round by the time we get into August and early September so that I can get more shares of them. (laughs) Let's move on. Let's move on to DJ Moore. DJ Moore dropped three spots. But if we look at over the course of the last four months, DJ Moore was being drafted at pick 62, 65 back in January and February. So for him to fall a little bit, I think it's just the market still trying to f- settle its way out. It's it's only 3 spots which relative to his ADP is second most versus all of the other all of the other players. But even last week he only dropped 2%. It wasn't like a massive drop. It's just that DJ Moore there's going to be some settling that happens with these wide receivers and heck if anything DJ Moore might bump up a little bit if we get news about Darnell Mooney because Darnell Mooney is not fully recovered from the leg injury he suffered at the end of last year. And now that that news is starting to trickle out, I wonder if DJ Moore is going to jump up just a little bit more, just a little bit more, more for more. So that's a possibility, but there's also a narrative of, the fantasy community finally coming around and doing analysis on the Chicago Bears, right? Before this time, there wasn't strong projections out. Some places did have projections and you have rankings and, and all of that, but there's a lot of initial optimism for DJ Moore and Justin Fields. But now that kind of has tapered a little bit, I think because the fantasy industry is starting to do projections and starting to see that even if there's a 20% increase in passing and passing attempts for Justin Fields, DJ Moore is not going to be as strong of a fantasy option as a top 40 or top 35 pick. He's going to have to continue to drop. I've mentioned time and again on this podcast that I I thought that he's better suited as a wide receiver 25 to wide receiver 30 instead of the wide receiver 18 where he was going. So I'm okay seeing him dip a little bit. And once it gets to about that wide receiver 25 is when I'm going to start buying more of the the dip into DJ more because we have seen spike weeks and we did see a touchdown improvement last year for when he was in Carolina but now he's on Chicago. There are some uncertainties in this offense, and it's going to be tough for him to produce 70 catches for 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. I think that is, is pushing the limits for DJ Moore. Those are my concerns, but I'm okay with the dip continuing over the course of the next few weeks if we can do it. The last player that's the furthest faller is Dalvin Cook, and Dalvin Cook has dropped three spots. But this is a drop of 5%. Dalvin Cook last week dropped 9%. So 9% and 5% over the last two weeks. He's going to continue to fall until we get certainty or clarity. And then depending upon the landing spot, and the offensive scheme, Dalvin Cook may bump back up or he could just continue to hang out in the sixth round. And I think hanging out in the sixth round is just fine for this type of player. Like, it's probably not going to ruin you. If you go zero RB and Dalvin Cook is your your running back, maybe in the sixth round, or maybe he falls to the seventh round because we'll talk about ADP distributions here in a little bit. Dalvin Cook, if you can get him in the seventh round, and that's where he's been trending. So there we go. For Dalvin Cook, I would expect that it'll taper off a little bit over the next couple weeks until we get clarity on whether or not Dalvin Cook returns to the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, let's keep it moving. And we're going to start with lesson three. As promised, every week, I'm going to go through the biggest risers and fallers. I'm going to give you a best ball tip, trick, lesson, or takeaway that will hopefully make you a better best ball player. And maybe you know these before, but maybe you can ask questions in the chat as well and we can we can talk about them. Whatever the case may be, I'm here to try to make you a better best ball player. Lesson three, the further you reach, the harder you fall. Whoa, let's go back. The further you reach, the harder you fall. And Hayden Winks has done some great work on underdog fantasy. He produces some awesome stuff. So I want to give him credit for doing this research. And like he confirms what we intuitively know. Like we should know that the more you reach, the less optimal it is for your team. The further you reach and the more often you reach, the less optimal it is. So the further you reach, the harder you fall. There's your lesson. Okay. And we're gonna take a look here. And I want to point out this is a best, this is a bell curve. So this makes sense. Best bell fantasy shows off the bell curves. Thanks, Hayden, for making this beautiful thing. And this is from Best Ball Mania 2 data, rounds four through 14. Because Typically, you don't see round two guys drop four rounds, okay, or or even three rounds, or even a full round. Like, you don't see a guy in the first round dropping a f- twelve spots. You just don't see it. You also aren't really interested in reaches happening after round fourteen because you know, you're just going to get your guys or your stacks at that point, and the probability that they are rostered in the tournament decreases significantly. So there are going to be some players when we analyze best ball teams later on tonight, that the ADP is wonky for them. I don't care about those late shots. Take your late shots. If you're trying to stack, I'm okay with it. I've got very like almost all round 15 through 18 are good picks. If they fit your structure. Well, you know, I'm not going to judge you for reaching Rounds 15 and beyond, typically. That's my that's the first thing I want to say. Rounds 4 through 14, because we don't expect guys to to fall rounds and rounds after, fall rounds and rounds before they get to round 4, and we don't expect to penalize you for reaching after round 14. This is a beautiful chart, by the way, because it illustrates almost exactly what we would expect. That almost every player, 84% of players, like a random player, 84% of the time is drafted plus or minus 12 spots on ADP. 84% of the time. is wild stuff. In fact, 12, if you are getting a guy, if you're drafting a player, more than 12 spots after ADP. You are ahead of the field significantly. How much? There's only 5.8% of teams who are drafting these players more than 12 spots after. So you are getting automatically extremely unique. You're ahead of 95%. 19 out of every 20 groups don't have this player where you are getting them. That automatically makes you pretty unique. So drafting a player at that spot, 12 spots or later, is going to be massive. But we're not talking about players who are falling. It makes sense that we want to take players that are falling, but we're talking about reaching. Let's say that you reach more than 12 spots. We're talking 9.7, 90% or more approximately 90% of teams of leagues that are drafted. 90% of them have that player after where you are and we're talking a full round so maybe that messes with a stack maybe that gives them another player that you won't have you're essentially giving up value which is in a massive tournament like this we've got what 400 Last year, that competed in under the BBM three, and now 650,000 competing this year in BBM four. Every single edge matters, and when you are at a 90% disadvantage for drafting a player in competing in other leagues, like you're not only betting that you're right, but you're betting that you're right about that player and all the subsequent players that you're drafting afterwards. So not only do you have to be right about the player that you are drafting ahead, which you might be right, but you may not be. But it's also saying, you know what, I need to be right on, or more right than my neighboring teams. I need to have my player takes right. And I'll speak from experience about this. The player takes are a difficult thing to do. Billy Muzio and I, we started our origin story with the fantasy football finals, doing projections, and then we spent a whole year going through week to week predictions of how players did. And then the next year, we did the Fantasy Pros expert ranking contest, and that was tough. We did. We've done those for the last two years. and Billy's crushed. He's absolutely crushed it. I've had what seven top 15 finishes one week. I finished number one week, 17 of 2021. So these are, but these are tough things to do to get player takes right. Not only, but better than your neighbors. It's a difficult thing to do. And so when you are picking a player 12 spots or more ahead of ADP, you're saying, I know better than everyone else. Not only for this player, because I want them, but it's also that I know that I can get better value and make up for it later if I'm wrong. And you don't draft to be wrong, but it doesn't help if you're handicapping yourself in a massive, massive tournament. You want to be viewing how can I accumulate edges, not how can I hurt myself or handicap myself significantly. And these are significant handicaps. So as you can tell, I want to leave this up so you can take a look. You can also go to Hayden Winks. Twitter, you can follow him at Hayden Winks. He does does great work with Underdog and their, their charting there. The second I want to show, another one from Hayden Winks. This is from Best Ball Mania 2. he even types in there. I know better bros because if you, this is, this is pointing out at the bottom. So let's read the, the axes. I'm the math teacher at heart, right? So let's read the axes. Regular season points are the Y axis and your X, axis is percentage of picks that were within 10 picks of ADP. So within about a round plus or minus, Right. So 25% or fewer picks that were within 10 picks of ADP. So essentially 75% of your draft, you're just reaching. You're reaching at least 10 picks. It is going to be extremely suboptimal. You're looking at, at best, 1,450 points. And that's 100-ish points per week. Compare that to the ADP loiterers, okay? That means they really don't take much risk on ADP. Like, of course, you can take a couple picks here or there. Like, 70, 25% of picks outside of that ends up being, like, four picks, right? You can take four picks or less before you start to notice significant difference. So, I'm not going to penalize teams significantly if, especially later in their drafts, they're going a little hog wild a couple one or two or three picks that are ahead of adp by about 12 spots or more but if you're reaching significantly early in your draft and often in your draft it's they're just bad bets they're just bad bets historically so the i know better bros have been humbled often time and time again just hanging out here, reaching and reaching. Don't reach. Don't be a I-know-better-bro. Like, you can probably get away with four reaches in your draft. More than that, and you're you're starting to see dips in a possible EV jump. Let's go to our third and final graph for tonight. Hayden, once again, provides this beautiful graph of... Percentage of picks that were 10 or more picks ahead of ADP. Essentially the inverse of what the last graph was. Few reaches are right here. And we're looking at, if you do not reach at all, if you are within 10 picks of every pick in ADP, you're probably going to be sticking around the 1540s. That's pretty good for the season. But lots of reaches, once again, will cost you any time that you're, even after uh, 25%, you're starting to get down to the 1525s. And if we look back at the previous graph, we start noticing that the the real tail-off happens at about a third of the picks. A third of the picks outside of outside of adp is a threshold so a third of the picks is start to see where this whole distribution of graph is is more difficult for you to get to 1500 points so i would not recommend taking more than about four reaches and probably later in your draft the the There's also not a lot of movement that happens near the top of the draft. If you were watching last week, I talked about how Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill were two of the biggest movers relative to ADP, but they had both moved less than one spot in ADP since the previous week, since two weeks ago. And I said, that's just because unless there's something catastrophic, these players tend to just stay At their ADP or move one spot, or maybe there's some camp buzz that'll move them back or, or whatever the case may be. The first couple rounds aren't going to see significant shifts, but it's starting to get between rounds four and 14. So if we're talking 10, 10 or 11 spots to pick from, you should probably stay with three or fewer reaches of 10 picks or more. If you end up doing that, it's probably going to be a good bumper, as my friend Todd Burroughs likes to call them, the good bumpers to keep yourself in line. Okay, so don't be reaching too much because it is suboptimal for you as illustrated by the graphs. Okay, and then one last table. We're trying to calculate stacks. So you're asking yourself, like, all right, so I'm expecting to draft Jamar Chase round one. What is the chance that Joe Burrow is going to be available? Let's say in round four. Let's say Joe Burrow is going round, I, I don't have it pulled up exactly, but let's say he's going round three, but I don't want to draft him till round four, but maybe it's around the turn. Maybe it's, I, I could draft him at the end of round three, but it's going to be four or five spots. So let's say it's going to be four spots after ADP. Nearly 31% of the time. So it's risky, you know, but it's still 30% is not a negligible, negligible number, but as we can tell, it's dipping every spot that it's after ADP. So I, I think this is going to be a handy table for you. If you want to print it out, if you want to go to Hayden's article on reaching, he also has it available there as well. It's just a good barometer for, is this player going to be there when I want him? And would that player have been available if I didn't reach on him? So this is very clearly that you shouldn't be reaching two rounds ahead because that player is 97.6% of the time going to be there. (laughs) same thing with heck even eight spots ahead 82.2 we don't start dipping below 80 percent until seven spots you're probably gonna get your guy if he's six or seven spots ahead of 80 or before ADP whereas you're really risking it it drops between at about 25 percent between five or six spots after ADP so you're getting some real, real values and real unique values if a guy is dropping 12 spots or more. As I said earlier in this podcast, it's about 95% of the field you would have an advantage over relative to that player if you draft a player 12 spots or more after ADP. So you want to consider how, even if you don't have a strong player take Let's say Gabriel Davis. I'm not a huge Gabe Davis guy, but if I were a Gabe Davis guy, I would consider drafting him if he dropped 12 spots or more because that puts me in a unique position. And especially if I have a Josh Allen stack. Heck, you want to you want to be targeting the stacks, of course. But if it's a stack that falls to you, oh, that's 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 like extra credit bonus points here. Okay. You want to take as many edges as you can in these tournaments. You do not want to be handicapping yourself and reaching more than three or four times in rounds four to 14 is going to hurt you. If you do the amount of reaching that uh, we've seen here. Okay. So to recap, number one, Reaching for a stack close to ADP is fine. It's really not going to mess with you. If you're four spots, five spots ahead of ADP, it's not going to really move the needle for you. All right. So do not be discouraged drafting stacks for teams just because he's three spots ahead of ADP or seven spots ahead of ADP or, or one spot ahead of ADP. You don't need to be a stickler like that. Okay, you don't need to be an ADP bro that's just holding on to every juice of ADP goodness. If the stack is close and ADP, if the stack is good and ADP is close, there's no real significant issue. Drafting players significantly after ADP is plus EV. You want to be drafting players who drop 12 or more spots. That's, it's as simple as that. It's also another way to stay unique because very you're going to have players who fall. It's okay. Take them. Take them. Because some people want to stack. Some people, they have a player in mind. They have positional needs. They have whatever the reason may be why that player might be falling why the team, the league mates you're drafting against might not take him. So go ahead. It's all right. It's a plus EV move. If you reach more than 10 spots, it can significantly impact your expected value because not only are you competing against other teams that have that player at ADP. But one thing I didn't mention is you are also competing against teams that let's say in one of the drafts, Joe Burrow, instead of reaching for him around, that team saw Joe Burrow fall one round. You're now competing against another team that has Joe Burrow two rounds different than you. Ooh, yeah, you got to be kicking yourself for that one when you could have Joe Burrow at ADP or close to it. Fourth. Drafting is, is an art, but the science can set boundaries for us. So you, there are other components, and I'm going to talk through some of those components in the analysis of the best ball teams that I'm going to look at here in the last 15 minutes of our live stream tonight. But drafting is an art, and there's a lot of components. like There are levers to pull that can unlock the edges for you. And so you have to be fluid and let the draft come to you. You can't just say, I'm going to come out and come into round five and there's going to be some player who's going to be 10 spots after ADP and I'm going to take him there. No, like every draft is different. Every group is different. And some drafters are different draft to draft because of their portfolio diversification. Maybe, you know, that one of your league mates loves San Francisco players and he wants to go to the San Francisco stack but he might avoid it in this draft because he's drafting 150 teams. He wants some diversification outside of San Francisco. So you just can't predict what even no knowns in your room are going to be doing. So if we set boundaries though, for instance, like roster construction, if we set boundaries, like don't reach too much or, you should be drafting players that fall significantly after adp that those boundaries can help us in guiding us and ma- keeping us from from paying the rake frankly and giving us a chance a fighting chance at at winning some money cuz these are tough tournaments you're competing against 650 thousand in the underdog tournament you're competing against 850 At least last year, 850,000 in the DraftKings best ball. You've got 111,000 in drafters. Keep all of that in mind as you are going forward with your best ball drafts. Part three, analyzing best ball teams. We've got four of them tonight. I'm only going to spend about three minutes or so on each of them. I appreciate your excitement as we get into part three. For those who are new to the live stream, number one, I grade on a rubric so I don't just make up points. I'm a teacher by trade. So I'm going to give you the rubric here in a second. These are the criteria player takes an upside. I have my own player takes. I'm sure you do too as well, but my player takes are, I try to inform them by the amount of upside. I don't care if a player scores five points, that's not going to contribute to your best ball team. How, what kind of upside are these players showing and what kind of potential potential, Are they showing in maybe a new offense or what did they show last year? And is that going to translate? So I will judge your players. Uh, Number two is, or letter B is stacking. So does stacking exist? How strong are the stacks? Did you overstack, et cetera? Three team structure. If there's some glaring errors with your team structure, it'll be knocked down. We'll, We'll talk about team structure in future live streams this off season but team structure is going to be an important component of how these teams are analyzed. Of course, we just talked about it today versus ADP. Your team will be judged by whether, whether you're reaching or whether you're letting players fall to you. If you have a player that falls to you and it's a stack, that's like bonus points. Okay. So that's, there's some beauty to drafting with that. And then, the last part, week 17 correlation, if applicable. So some of these teams, I wasn't sure if there's week 17 or maybe they're season long tournaments or whatever the case may be. I, I'll do my best to evaluate week 17 correlation, if applicable. And the last thing is I'm a tough grader. So if I give you a bad grades because you deserve it. <laughs> All right, let's start with the first one. Josh Alvarez on Twitter submitted this from DraftKings Lamar Jackson, Bijan Robinson, Aaron Jones. I'm on Russ St. Brown, Michael Pittman, Gabe Davis, Aconquo Dobbins, Tua, Zay Flowers, P. Ryan Penny, Irv Smith, Michael Gallup, Type 1 Thornton, Jerome Ford, Chase Claypool, Hunter Henry, Darius Slayton, and Darius Davis. I love the Darius Davis pick, by the way, this is an a minus players takes an upside. I really like a lot of the players that are here. I think the only ones that I'm, I'm holding out on Michael Pittman, but I get it. You've got some depth at wide receiver. I'm also not a huge fan of Michael Gallup either, but I like the comeback arounds of Chase Claypool, Darius Slayton and Darius Davis as some upside swing. So I do like those players very, very late. Stacking B minus, there's Lamar Jackson JK Dobbins correlation and also Lamar Jackson Zay Flowers. There's also just two just hanging out by himself. So I'm not, I can't give this anything higher than a B minus. Team structure is an A. I love the depth, I love the running back, uh, running back core. The I was gonna dock them for tight ends. But I'm happy with the three tight end build of a Henry, and Irv Smith. All three of those either have historical upside, or they showed potential last year. So Irv Smith, touchdown maker. Hunter Henry has history of top ten, top ten seasons, and Conquo is a rising star. So I'm I'm okay with this team structure. Lamar Jackson, Tua are a nice quarterback duo versus adp a b this is josh alvarez is a hashtag adp bro <laughs> because if you look at all of his picks they're like unless you get like crazy late they're all within like a spot of adp at all he let the draft come to him he just took the adp darius davis was a real nice pick he dug deep for that one but it was not a stack so i was kind of disappointed in that it wasn't a stack, but I did like the the late digging for Darius Davis. I'm not going to penalize him for ADP 233. Okay. Week 17 correlation, C+, and overall was a B. There you go, Josh. Take take your B and run with it. (laughs) This is brought to you by Jaguar Paw 34 on underdog at Foxtrot Supper. Player takes an upside for this team. We'll start with telling the team. It's Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, Jimmy Garoppolo, Saquon, Tony Pollard, Devin Singletary, Jeff Wilson, Chuba Hubbard, Cooper Cup, Christian Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, Burks, Elijah Moore, Zay Jones, KJ Osborne, Corey Davis, Dallas Goddard, Evan Ingram. Player text and upside A minus. You have to love Saquon and Tony Pollard on the same team, along with Cup and Watson and Hopkins. We'll notice some things here in a second. That's going to make this team look like a, like a super team. I also like that Goddard and Engram are paired together. Given this, how this team worked out. Stacking was a B plus. We got Aaron Rodgers stacked with Corey Davis. We've got Jordan love stacked with Christian Watson and Jimmy Garoppolo is just hanging out by himself. Naked Jimmy Garoppolo, which I guess Foxtrot supper likes. Is naked Jimmy Garoppolo's team structure <laughs> is an A minus. You got power wide receivers. You've got double running backs. You've got your later quarterbacks, but you've got really nice tight ends. So I like this team structure working out. Yeah, A minus. I'm I, I I'm not huge on the Jimmy Garoppolo nakedness, but other than that, that's what's keeping it from being an A. Versus ADP B plus. I love the Rogers drop. That was 16 spots after ADP. Jimmy Garoppolo was 11 spots after ADP. Tony Pollard was six spots after ADP. But Elijah Moore was 11 spots before ADP. And Zay Jones was 10 spots before ADP. This was going to be an A ADP until we got to those wide receivers. And I get that you want to hit on those wide receivers for the structure, but that kind of hurt your ADP reaching that much week 17 correlation B minus not stacking Jimmy Garoppolo with any Colts or with any, any Raiders hurt and the Rodgers, Corey Davis fits along with Elijah Moore. And then your Jordan love, Christian Watson, KJ Osborne is keeps it in the B minus range. Overall B plus. So good work, Foxtrot Supper. Last two at off the schneid. Good friend. Thanks for jumping in. He said I talked about reaches on his last podcast, and he's pretty high on the bears and fields this year. And you can reach you reach, I teach Jake Shuttleworth. He got game. Yes. So off the schneid, friend of the podcast. Friend in real life and fantasy, I guess. There we go. <laughs> we'll get into his team. Joe Burrow, Kenny Pickett, Alexander Madison, A.J. Dillon, Khalil Herbert, Zeke Elliott, Zamir White, Kyron Williams, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, DK Metcalf, DeAndre Hopkins, George Pickens, Marquise Hollywood Brown, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Friar Irv Smith, Angelani Woods. Player takes an upside. That is clearly a B plus Joe Burrow is there. I love it. Stacking with Jamar chase. We'll talk about the stacks here in a second. I love, love, love the wide receiver core and I'm okay with the tight ends, but it's the running back room that he went zero RB in this, but it's going to be a little risky given the situations for all of these players. So it's just, this is the risk that the player takes an upside. You've got a little risk happening with these running backs, hopefully they're enough. Stacking a Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Kenny Pickett stacks with Pickens and Fryarmoth. You also have the Burrow Herb Smith stack. Team structure A minus. Yeah, this is one of those zero RB builds, and I like a lot of the players. I'm not sure about the Kyron Williams pick or Zamir White pick, but the first four: Madison, Dylan, Herbert, Zeke. I like those as a good zero RB core versus ADP is a B. There were some reaches here, but there were also some really nice values. I I like him just hanging out at ADP, Chase going at two, Devonta Smith at 23, DK Metcalf was three, four spots by ADP. Marquis Hollywood Brown was nice. Pickens at 71. That's not going to crush you at all. Irv Smith was a bit of a reach but Fryermuth was a value. So it cancels itself out. We keep ourselves at a B. If you're, if you're a ADP bro, you're probably going to get a B week 17 correlation. Also would be because of the stacking that usually helps with the week 17 correlation. So overall B plus off the schneid. There you go. B plus couldn't quite get that a minus. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Last one for the night at Vinnie D sports. Has a team, Deshaun Watson, Desmond Ritter, Brees Hall, Cam Akers, A.J. Dillon, Damian Harris, Kenneth Gainwell, wide receivers, Tyreek Hill, T. Higgins, Amari Cooper, Drake London, Quentin Johnston, Michael Gallup, DPJ, Van Jefferson, Josh Palmer, Kyle Pitts, Dawson, Knox. Player takes an upside, C+. Sorry, I hate Palmer, Jefferson, DPJ, and Gallup. It's literally like my four least favorite wide receivers because they're all dusty and cruddy. And I understand that you might like those players, but I don't. And I don't think that they're going to contribute a lot to your best ball team. So I don't like those stacking a, you got the Watson and Amari Cooper and DPJ stacks. You've got Ritter. You've got Pitts, You've got Drake London stacks. Boom. Team structure a minus. I like how it's set up. You go Kyle Pitts early. You go Dawson Knox late. You're hoping that Kyle Pitts is the right tight end for you versus ADP B plus there. It's hanging out pretty close to ADP. AJ Dillon was a nice pickup 11 spots after ADP there. Quentin Johnston was 15 spots after ADP, but you reached a little bit on Michael Gallup. I wasn't a fan of that. Sorry, Michael Gallup haters club leader here in the building week 17 correlation. There wasn't much of it. There is the stacks that happened, but There was no comeback rounds with regard to the week seventeen correlation. I gave this an overall B. Vinny D. Sports. Hope you like that. All right, that'll do it for tonight's podcast. Thanks everyone for tuning in. It's been so much fun. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at eva salder. Make sure you're subscribing here on the Player Profiler Roto Underworld YouTube channel. I'll be back next week. To talk all things best ball we're going to talk risers and fallers we're going to analyze best ball teams and i'm gonna give you another lesson on and tip and trick on how to do your best drafting here in may on behalf of matt kelly billy muzio theo grumminger i'm braley stalder peace out
1: Hey, you like that video, be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.